Welcome to the James River Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message. It's our prayer that this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. Tonight, uh, we've got a special guest. I have a good friend. Um, he is the president of Northwest University. They used to attend, Joe and Kathleen, their family attended James River for many years when he was the academic dean at the Assemblies of God Theological Seminary. But Joe is, is uh, really a brilliant person. Uh, you know, used to, we used to spend time together once a month. He'd come out and we'd just talk. He might have his Greek New Testament. We'd just talk about different things. But uh, they've gone to Northwest University, done a, an incredible work there. But the thing I've loved about Joe is God has given him an ability uh, really to minister to people. We've had hundreds of people filled with the Holy Spirit as a result of his ministry through the years, probably thousands. Uh, last year when he was here, um, you know, people we have, I, I'm sure we had hundreds filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, and in the middle of it, uh, during the altar time, uh, Joe had a word of knowledge, somebody to, who had multiple myeloma, and there was a lady there who had been diagnosed and had come back on her, and she was instantly healed. And the doctors said, we can't find any trace of it. So, um, so right now, um, for me, I'm, I'm really, I, I love having people who understand the house, who understand what God is doing and who can flow with that. Joe's one of those people. So would you join me in welcoming Dr. Joe Castleberry to James River Church? Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Please be seated. Please be seated. Thank you, I appreciate that good welcome. I can't believe I get to be here. It's, it's just amazing, you know, before we came out, to, um, Pastor John handed me an envelope, and I said, if this is a bill, I'm happy to pay it. I, I, I told him earlier, I would have gladly paid to get to come and be here with you tonight. And uh, well, matter of fact, last time I came, I did pay to come and be with you, <laughs> but that was, I wasn't preaching that night. But, <laughs> but um, it, it's, this is really special. I, I, you know, it's, do you, I, I know you get it. I, I know you understand what's going on here. Uh, this is not, this is extraordinary. <laughs> this is really extraordinary to get to be in a season like this. 1,300 people healed in the last year, more people than that baptized. Uh, this, this is an incredible season. There are Christians, pastors, godly saints who pray their entire lives for a season like this and never get to see it. This is really an extraordinary moment in your life that you get to be part of this church at this time. And I just urge you to make the most of it. If these doors are open, be here. Um, don't miss a minute of this. Uh, somebody's going to get blessed. And to me, that's, that ought to be the essence of being part of a Pentecostal church is you never know whose turn it's going to be. And, um, but God's going to bless somebody. God's going to bless somebody tonight. God's already blessing people tonight. You just don't want to miss it. You don't want to miss out on this time. And you know, the thing is, there's nothing you can do to deserve a thing like this. It's pure grace that this is happening. But you can sure mess it up. So don't mess it up. 
And uh, God bless you. And I just pray this continues for years and years and years. And that, uh, that, that what God is doing here, he will do at places around the country and around the world. At Northwest University in March of 2020, we started praying every day at noon for protection from COVID and for revival. And we're, we're still praying. And we haven't seen this level of revival break out. So if you, if you think about us, pray for Northwest University that God will do there what he's doing here. Because, you know, I can't make it happen any more than Pastor John, who's a phenomenal pastor. He couldn't make this happen. None of you could. None of us could. But, but God is able. And God hears our prayers. And God wants to bless us. <laughs> he really does. So I want to preach to you today from... Uh, 2 Corinthians 13, 14, to talk about the communion or fellowship of the Holy Spirit. The communion or fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Listen to the Word of God, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14, the last verse of the book. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Now those are Paul's final words to the Corinthians as he's finishing up a, a letter in which he really gets mad at them. He really tears into them and lets them have it in the latter part of this book. But he closes the book with this, these beautiful words of blessing. And maybe someone would say, it's just a blessing. You shouldn't take that why are you preaching on the final verse? It's just a blessing. Paul's just blessing them. But Paul isn't just doing anything. He's choosing his words very carefully as he finally pronounces a blessing on this church that he has really taken to the woodshed. And he invokes on the believers three things. A Trinitarian formula of God, the Father, Jesus Christ, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he chooses just the right words to pronounce upon them the blessings of the best attributes of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. He, he starts out saying, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And you know, that is the, the best thing about Jesus in terms of us is his grace towards us. And he mentions the love of God the Father. And you know, that's the best thing about God. God is omnipotent. He's omniscient. He has all these phenomenal, phenomenal attributes that we could praise him for just because he's great. But if he didn't love us, what good would any of it be for us? What good would a God be who didn't love us? Yet, that's the best thing about God the Father. He loves us. And then he mentions the communion or fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Let's go into that just a little bit because it turns out that the communion of the Holy Spirit is the best thing about him. Just like the grace is the best thing about Jesus in terms of us and the love is the best thing about God, the Holy Spirit's best thing for us is communion. I'm going to explain that to you, but let's start with the amazing grace of Jesus. Paul pronounces this grace upon them. 
This grace that's so amazing. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. I didn't deserve a bit of it. I didn't deserve that Jesus would die on the cross for me. But in his great, incredible grace, he died for me on the cross and saved me. Romans chapter 5, in, in Romans chapter 5, Paul expresses it this way. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see how Paul, go, he, can't, he can't talk about the grace of Christ here without talking about the love of God with it. They go together. But this grace of Jesus who while we were sinners, died for us when we didn't deserve it. I was recently talking to somebody about their soul, and I said, you're a really good person. You're a really good person. You've done a lot of really good things. But Jesus still died for you. And the person's response was, I don't need anybody to die for me. And I thought, wow. The other day I was listening to a, some instrumental hymns, and it was that hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. And I was remembering the words of the song where it says, pardon for sin and a peace that endureth. And as I remembered the words of that hymn, I just broke down crying to think that when I was helpless, when I was unworthy, Jesus forgave all my sins. You know, I'll tell you what, in the eyes of that other person, in the eyes of probably a lot of people, I haven't been a very effective sinner. <laughs> you know, I've tried to walk with God my whole life. I have, by strong effort, tried to walk with God my whole life and even trying hard to get it right. I could still tick off for you the times when I hurt somebody through what I did to them, what I said to them. Times that I offended God by what I said and did. And it matters to me. It matters to me that I can't be that, per that person that I ought to be before God. It matters to me. I don't feel worthy to stand in God's presence. I'm not worthy that Jesus should have died on the cross for me. Yet he did it. And he calls us and he convicts us of our sin and he makes us a aware of our sin, and just at the right time, he forgives us and beckons us to himself and enters us into the love of God, restores our relationship with God. The grace of Jesus Christ is the greatest thing in the world, and the love of God right there with it. The love of God, so incredible. Paul says it this way in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, this is Paul praying for the Ephesians, from whom every family in heaven and earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love 
may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Paul just can't say enough about the love of God. One of our great hymns said it this way, the love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. Oh, love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong. It shall forevermore endure the saints and angels' song. Could we with ink the ocean fill and were the skies of parchment made? Were every stalk on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade? To write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. And there's no way I could explain it all to you if I, if I spoke forever about it to get through to you how deep and how rich the love of God is. But yet we can know it. And Paul says we can know it by the power of the Holy Spirit that God sends to us. And that's where this third element comes in. The communion or communication or sharing fellowship of the Holy Spirit. When I, every time I preach a sermon, I, 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 if, it's, if it's in the New Testament, I open up my Greek New Testament, I read the text first in Greek to see what's in there first and before I start studying the passage. And when I looked at this passage, I said, whoa, this is interesting. Because in Greek, it says, the phrase of the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is the word koinonia. And koinonia means commonness. It also means community. It also means fellowship. It also means sharing. But the basic idea of it is commonness. When you share something, you have something in common. It said the commonness of the Holy Spirit. And I almost fell out of the chair. And you're saying, why, why was that so impressive? Well, first thing is that Paul flips the words. Usually in Greek, you don't say Holy Spirit. You say Spirit Holy that's the regular way of saying it. Paul flips it and puts the word holy first. So that the words that I read were the commonness of the holy. And I said, what does holy have to do with common? Leviticus 10.10 explains that holiness and commonness are exact opposites. He says, you are to distinguish between the holy and the common, between the unclean and the clean. Holiness and commonness are polar opposites in the Old Testament. When I saw that phrase, the commonness of the holy, I thought that is a contradiction in terms. How can he possibly say that? How can it be the Holy Spirit's role to bring commonness to us? It's, this is really strange. I was in Fiji about 10 years ago, and I was preaching a national pastor's retreat. And they were having revival services in the evening, and I was preaching pastors all day. And if you've not been to Fiji, you've never heard a great choir. 
these folks have the best choirs you've ever heard in your life. I mean, they, choir music is the thing in Fiji, and they're great at it. And they, they, they were leading worship every night. The worship was fantastic, and they kept singing this song, and the words kept coming up, Yalo Tambu, Yalo Tambu. Finally, I turned to the pastor who was sitting next to me, and I said, Yalo Tambu, does that mean Holy Spirit? He said, yeah, that's it. Now, the word tambu is spelled T-A-B-U, tabu, right? But they say tambu in Fijian. I said, is tabu the word that means holy? He said, yeah, yeah, that means holy. Oh, the tabu spirit. I said, what does tabu mean? He said, oh, tambu means forbidden. It means restricted. It means terrifying. And I thought, huh. The prohibited spirit. The restricted spirit. The one that's not for everybody. The spirit that is of terror. I got to thinking about it, and I, I knew something about the concept. I knew that the word kadosh in Hebrew, the basic meaning of it is Forbidden, awful. And the, and the Greek word hagios, that means holy, it comes, it's a, it's a form of the word hagos, and hagos means awful, terrifying, prohibited. And I realized that in Greek and in Hebrew and in Fijian, it all means forbidden. Holy means forbidden. There's a theologian that wrote a book early in the 20th century called The Idea of the Holy. His name was Rudolf Otto, and he, he said that holiness is a combination of two things. On the one hand, it is the mysterium tremendum, the mystery that causes you to tremble. And on the other hand, it's what he called the mysterium fascinans, the, the mystery that just transfixes you. And so when you come into the presence of the holy, and he studied this concept all over the world and cultures everywhere because it seems like every human culture has this concept of holiness and it always means forbidden, not for common people, not for you, not for me. But he says holiness has this other thing. On the one hand, when you come into contact with it, it's terrifying, but on the other hand, it grabs you and holds you. And the reason for that is that the terror comes from God's unbelievable power. I guarantee you, if somebody came into this building tonight, wheeling a nuclear bomb down the aisle and had the detonator in their hand, you would they would have your fear immediately. It's that unbelievable power of God that creates fear and forbiddenness and restrictedness and awe in the awful sense. But it comes paired with this love beyond description. So on the one hand, you're terrified by God, but on the other hand, you wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Think of the prophet Isaiah when he was in the temple and 
He saw this, the temple was shaking before the presence of God. The, the, it was an earthquake going on in his vision. And, and the seraphim, these flying, fiery snakes. If I tell you, fl flying, fiery snakes show up here tonight, I'm out of here. <laughs> these flying, fiery snakes come, and they're, they're, they are spending all of their time around the throne of God. But it says they're covering their eyes with two of their wings, and they're covering their midsection with the other two wings and flying with the other two because they're in the presence of God and it's forbidden and they can't look. And Isaiah says, woe is me. He sees God and his response is, woe is me. He's terrified by what he's seeing. And yet, the mercy and grace of God comes and touches his lips and cleanses him. And he doesn't run away. He stays fixed and he hears the call of God and he says, here am I, send me. Because once you've experienced the holiness of God and not been destroyed, the love of God takes over. The Holy Spirit, his role in the new covenant is different than in the old covenant. In the Old Covenant, only the priests and the prophets and the kings were anointed with the Holy Spirit. But Jesus came. This is the reason he came. All four Gospels say this. Jesus came to baptize in the Holy Spirit, to make the Holy Spirit common to us, to, through the Holy Spirit, communicate to us, make common among us, to share with us all of God's best attributes, to share all of the goodness of God with us. You know, in Theology 101, the first few weeks of a theology class, you learn that God has incommunicable attributes and communicable attributes. Incommunicable ones are the ones he can't share with us, like omnipotence. He can't really give that to you. But the communicable ones are love, joy, peace, and he can give you those because you may not be God, but you can get that. The Holy Spirit does this incredible thing. He shares the communicable attributes of God with us. All of the best things of God that can be shared with us, he shares with us and gives us. And all of the things that can't be shared with us, he evidences to us through miracles and healings and signs and wonders, even those things that God can't give us to own, the Holy Spirit gives to bless us. He evidences them in front of us and makes the goodness of a loving God and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ present to each one of us. What an incredible role. Without the Holy Spirit, the grace of Jesus couldn't get to us. All that grace would go to naught if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit who makes it known to us. I love what Paul said back in that same passage of Romans where he said, therefore, we have been justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. It's by the Holy Spirit that God pours his love out on us. It's by the Holy Spirit that Jesus makes his grace real to us. It's by the Holy Spirit that all of the gifts of God come to us. And Jesus came that we might be baptized in the Holy Spirit, that we might be soaked in the Holy Spirit, that we might be wet from head to toe with the Holy Spirit so that we could experience all the good things that God wants to give us. He makes a list of them. They're the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He makes a list of them. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith, temperance. All of those good things are ours by the Spirit. All of those gifts, healings and miracles and knowledge and wisdom, all of them come to us through the Holy Spirit. And God wants to pour his spirit abroad upon us, not just tonight, but every day of our life. He wants to fill us with the Holy Spirit so that we can have communion with God and communion with each other because he does it through the body of Christ.